Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Manufactured in upstate New York, an employee-owned company, Golden makes the best acrylics, oil paints, and watercolors that you can buy. You can find them in your local art store, or you can find them online at goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School, where drawing, painting, and sculpture are studied in-depth, debated energetically, and created with passion. The school's full-time programs, a two-year MFA, and a three-year certificate prioritize experimental learning and perception. Beginning in fall 2021, the Studio School welcomes artists from around the world to join its inaugural virtual certificate program. Combining the studio-centric emphasis of the school's teaching methods with an individual real-time approach to online learning, this full-time program is designed for serious artists and dedicated aspiring artists who seek to cultivate the studio skills and methods that will prepare them for a lifetime of art making. The priority application deadline is April 30th, 2021. Apply online today at nyss.org. Jason Safey is an artist living and working in Miami, Florida. The inspiration for Jason's work is based around the notion that we can reinvent the past using modern day materials and compositions, allowing the excellence of an old craft to be admired by a younger generation. Jason was inspired by both his own Middle Eastern heritage and the complex artistic practice of Persian rug weaving. The original designs are laden with hidden meaning and language. The weavers were able to link each rug's particular pattern, palette, and style with a specific and identifiable geographic area or community. Jason's influences span the realms of art, architecture, performance, and music. He grew up in Miami to immigrant parents who were supportive of his creative ambitions. After playing in bands throughout his youth, Jason, a talented graphic designer, began creating album artwork for hip-hop artists. He designed Big Sean's Lion logo, painted backdrops in Nicki Minaj's music videos, and created artwork for both Pharrell Williams and Mac Miller. Jason was not content solely actioning on the creative vision of others, so he began to create his own work. With financial backing from his career in craft design, Jason made the transition into creating contemporary artwork full-time in 2015. He's had successful solo shows both domestically and internationally, and was recently featured in a special project with the Bronx and Brooklyn Museum, and has an upcoming solo exhibition at Carlo Bellotti Museum in Rome, Italy. Fresh off of his solo show at Unit London, I spoke with Jason about starting in art and finding it again, touring in a hardcore band, the influence of his heritage, painting process, and much more. Here's our conversation. cardiovascular you know like your your lungs are good you're fine or whatever nope it's like some people just get it and it hits them like hard and you never know yeah, some of the crazy like um stories of people um that long-term side effects just oh, yeah. wild but 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, we don't have to get super into all that. Um, I feel like anytime I talk about this stuff, I'm like, if somebody here listens to this conversation, you know, a few years from now or whatnot, they're going to be like, <laughs> is it super time-stamped? Yeah, I mean, but then the longer this stuff lasts, the more I'm like, yeah, no, this is just going to be how it is for for a long yeah, time but, to Yeah, but, you know, but do you feel that, well, maybe not. I feel like my art does that, like where I look back at, I remember this painting I did in the early 2000s, and it was like a city view and there was a billboard for Nokia. Mm. It was like kind of subtle, but it was like an ad that I painted into yeah, it. Yeah. And it was like a hand on this phone and it's like a Nokia. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of those push button, you know, <laughs> and it dates it, but I love that it yeah, dates it, you know, for sure. like I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not scared of like, you know, dating myself. No, I, yeah, no, I mean, I, that's definitely not, um, I think that's, uh, kind of like an, uh, not an Easter egg in a sense, but it is kind of like a fun thing. And, and it, and it, and I'm working on, or I have this series of kind of paintings that I have in my mind that I want to do that are, are somewhat nostalgic and, and have like purposeful dating of things like that. Um, but one of the things that I struggled with, for instance, was, um, and I think probably many artists who are making work during this is like the constant like cancellation of this was supposed to be for this exhibition or this art fair, this was supposed to be for this. And then it's like, well, actually like just last I just finished a painting a couple weeks ago that was supposed to be for Art Dubai um which is an art fair out there in the gallery that I show with in that region is from Saudi and they actually just uh, a few weeks ago like extended their travel band so they actually can't leave at all until like May so the gallery had to pull out of the fair um so it's been a lot of stuff like that where I'm like if I if I make something to I mean you know my, my work is is not it's not illustrative in a sense or something you know there are pieces that I've done that are um where if I wouldn't show it or if it was kind of in the context of something that was happening it would be a bit more frustrating to like okay now I don't know when this is going to be shown or if I'm just gonna you know sell it the gallery's gonna sell it directly to a client it's never going to be shown I don't love that either I mean it's great to sell work but the work I feel like it needs to be appreciated in person to be fully taken in. So when you kind of ha like you make something um, with the idea of at least on how I work, I'm big fruition person. So starting from the design of the piece to the actual um, painting of it, the framing, et cetera, all that and how it's shown, where it's shown, what wall it's shown, I kind of take all that into account when I make a piece. So when that gets kind of thrown on its side, it kind of, it, it, it puts a damper on things a bit, you know? Um, so I, I just had um, a solo show open in January um, at Unit London, and I was working on this show for like, um, and, I, and I don't want to, if you have like a, a line of questions or anything like that, and you were going to get to this, and we can wait to get to that, but it kind of falls into what I'm talking about now, so it's up, up to you however you'd want to. Oh, no, it's good. I have, I have no... Perfect. I've, I'm really well not prepared. Okay, cool. Well, we can just have a fun conversation. <laughs> just let it flow. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I was working on this exhibition um, for essentially two years just because I'd make, like, you know, 10 paintings a year at that if I do. Yeah. Um, so to do, like, it was about 14 paintings in the show. So to, to do that amount of work um, took about two years. So it, it was interesting how kind of, like, the level of, of expectation of what the exhibition was going to be Um changed over time like at first right. I was like okay you know it might be a little bit restricted you know maybe just by appointment only so it's not going to be that big you know opening night where you kind of have these conversations about the work and stuff and that kind of you know um 
at first accepting that was kind of like a, a thing, you know, but then after, after a while, you're just kind of like, okay, that, you know, that's fine. You, you, you get accustomed to that. And then like a week I had, I was going to planning to come out cause I did this kind of, um, backdrop for certain paintings and, and there was certain walls that were going to be kind of a wallpaper that I specifically designed to, um, basically like intertwined with the works and, and how they were, okay. they're being shown. So I wanted to oversee the process of the installation and so I had everything booked and then like the week before I was supposed to leave, they went into a super strict lockdown where they announced kind of these new strains and all that. And then it was just like, yeah, not only at that point I was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to go, you know, maybe it's for the better. It made the decision for me. I was a bit skeptical about it. And then it was right. like, no, actually it's not going to open ever. <laughs> you know, like no one's ever going to yeah. be able to even see it. And then we tried to do like appointment only type of stuff, but they weren't even allowed to do that because it was so strict. So it was only like if someone was coming in to, to see a painting that they were going to buy essentially, you know what I mean? The gallery yeah. would kind of like work its way around. Um, yeah, that's it. bad. That, that London timing for January was, that's rough because it <laughs> was, was yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think the worst there at that point. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, they literally, I mean, like a week before Christmas or a week or two, they just closed all the shops. Like this is an extremely crucial time for businesses and for them to pull the plug like that. I was like, yeah, this is not, a, they're not taking this lightly at all. So there's not going to be, you know, uh, there's not going to be any way that this thing opens. So it, it was interesting to see kind of like the way that your train of thought works is like, if you would have told me that like earlier in the year, I'd be like, there's no way I'm going to do this exhibition. I'll just wait. Like I'm not going to, I, you know, busted my ass on these paintings, like for them to never right. be seen in person. Like, sure, it's great for Instagram and, and photos and, and whatnot, but I would have never like agreed to that. Um, but then as kind of like, you just realize the situation, it's like, well, you know, the gallery has X amount of shows that they're supposed to show, you know, if they're not going to table it and, and, until, um, things are better if they're better when they're better who knows it's such an up and down um i'm fortunate that unit the gallery that i showed with has you know a really strong digital platform and they have uh, a wide reach on instagram and whatnot so the shows ended up being great and, and and um sold out which was um you know a huge blessing but there was that point of like as an artist it was like that frustration of like the, how many people got to actually see this work in person, you know, how many people yeah. got to experience this, you know, essentially what I planned out to be this an, an experience. Um, and then it's like, obviously if that's the worst thing that happened to me throughout this whole, um, sack, <laughs> then I'm fine. You know, I right. feel bad even yeah, like, yeah. like, um, but it's, you kind of go in these up and downs of like, am I really not going to be able to see a show? Is no one really going to be able to see a show? Is no, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, right. And, and, and I feel like that sums up everybody's kind of train of thought for the last over a year now, where it was like, are we really going to have to wear masks now? Or, or are we really only going to be able to see these people? And then I was like, no, you're going to wear masks. You're not going to see anybody. You're not going to be able to, you know, it's kind of just like, it's not going to be a month or two. It's going to be a year. It's, um, so it's kind of been that, um, sense of kind of just accepting what what is and, and what's not um and as humans like we we adapt so strong like so quickly to things um definitely yeah that's i mean it's that's that's the way it, it it's a remarkable like if you think about the beginning I, yeah. I i was talking to my wife about this where you know we got some food delivered and i was like remember at the beginning when we were wiping down all the groceries yeah. and we were like, I thought to myself, I can't believe I have to do this. Like, this is the worst. 
Six months later, I'm like, yep, scrubbing it down. Like, yeah. who wouldn't do this? Course, you know, like, yeah. this is really good to do. You know, you just adapt to the situation. But I would imagine in that circumstance, there's a there's a metric there. And I think if you're making work that is painstaking and takes a long time, I mean, it's just, you know, that, that creates a, di- I would imagine creates a different kind of urgency on the work, you know, like, because you you do want people to see it in person, you know what I mean? If you're cranking out, like, you know, a painting every few days and your work's quicker, mm-hmm. maybe you're a little less precious about, you know, it being seen, you know? Definitely. But it's I imagine I have a lot of friends who are musicians and they, you know, they released stuff during the pandemic. And it was a, sure. you know, there was this thing that was like, well, should I release it? I can't tour this thing, you know? Is it just going to die? But then it was like, well, it's going to, it's going to probably be, there will be people who are more focused listening into it because there was so much. Yeah. Same thing with like Netflix, like releasing a movie on Netflix. It was like, that's all everyone was doing. Yeah. So in a way your audience changes, but it, it grows in a way, you know, it's, it's just a weird acclimation to the creative process. It's amazing how accustomed we get to like, well, I'm going to work for like a year and a half and then have this show here and that's it. And, yeah. I feel like, you know, and that's all when thrown for a loop. A lot of it is just us as, as like people who are creating stuff, um, convincing ourselves that, that it's, you know, it's almost like it's a lot of just talking to yourself and being like, well, you know, if you do it now, you know, people are going to get to see it. You know, if you, do, if you do it later, it's, it's a lot of like conversations that you have with yourself and, yeah. and kind of like not not in an egotistical way of like calming yourself down from something but um basically realizations of of what can be done and what can't be done and then also just like for me i'm like a big person on on two things on uh, never resting on your laurels and never being like look i did this and this i'm just i'm comfortable i'm gonna keep doing that and also um just looking back and being like hey you know a couple years ago if i were to look at what i'm doing right now or where i'm at right now i'd be you know proud and excited and, 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 and stoked about what I'm doing. So it's like, look, this isn't maybe the best scenario to kind of release work in this way or, or to do an exhibition like this. Um, but compared to what I was doing a few years ago or when I wasn't showing, you know, in galleries and whatnot, this is a huge step to who am I to say like, oh, I'm going to wait for, uh, you know, an in-person thing or, or, or pass up on an opportunity to show my work or sell my work, et cetera. Right. So there's like, there's these things that, that we kind of get, if you get too caught up in something or where for me personally, where I'm like, oh, you know, this, somebody wants to buy this work, but I haven't shown it. And I'm like, you know, oh, well, you know, I, I want it to be enjoyed by people. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I have bills, I have studio rent, I have all this stuff to kind of consider. So it's like, yeah. it's, it's a lot of like, for me personally, obviously I can't speak for everyone, but for me, it's a lot of just kind of like, talking yourself down from that cliff of just being like, Hey, you know, step back and be like, okay, what's, what's the goal here? If I don't show this piece in person, um, but I do sell it, that affords me the opportunity to maybe do something less, um, directed at, at a sale, but maybe that speaks to, to, to an idea that I have that's, that's a bit more conceptual or something, you know, so certain opportunities afford you other opportunities. So that's what, how I've been trying to do it, you know, to be able to do an ex or have it, an exhibition open um, during such a strict quarantine and have it sell out and be a success is such a, a, a blessing where I'm like, you know what, that overshadows anything of the fact that, you know, I did work on this for two years and I didn't show it to anyone, right. you know, essentially other than yeah. a couple of, you know, people that bought work. So it's, it's a lot of that. It's just like weighing pros and cons. I feel like, um, and I think, it's, I think as working artists, that's part of it too. Right. Because you we're always, um, there's no real structure in a yeah. way. So you get 
whatever structure or you know illusion of uh, a rhythm or structure you grab onto in a way like okay i'm gonna have that's why you like to have a show date or mm-hmm. you're working towards something because okay there's my structure i'm gonna have that yeah. i'm gonna do this and if that gets taken away it's kind of like we, we live in an, a, a pretty loose professional yeah. um situation in general like you know there's no real you know, anything can change. I guess it can for anyone. Yeah. But you know, if you're if you're a nurse, you're probably feeling a little more rhythmic and like, okay, That's I got right. this. This is a, something I'm going to be doing, and not like, well, am I going to be working? Yeah. You know, in six months, yeah. or you know, like, who's going to be representing me? Like, who's my bot? You know. Yeah. So it, you you want to cling on to some sort of like structure for sure. And for me, at least, like, I'm very much like a, a pre planner in a sense. Like, all, all my work is very much like you know before I create a painting. Um, I create the design for it, you know, I draw it out and then I redraw it digitally um, to have kind of a reference image before I start the actual painting. Um, all that process is, it gives me kind of like comfort in that, um, in that planning of that. And that's yeah. how I mentioned before, like fruition and all that and like where that work is going to be shown, how it's going to be shown, how it's going to be framed, what wall it's going to sit on, et cetera. That's all something that I try to include in my process. And it's something that excites me about a work when you're working on a painting for, you know, two months, three months or however long it may take. You kind of need those like small goals or, or small victories within the process of like finishing the outline. You know, if I'm working on a painting that's on concrete, creating the slab of concrete, um, getting the outline design done putting certain you know colors down all those like kind of small goals to line yourself up through the process kind of keep you um both focused and like not getting burnt out because if you're just working like aimlessly on a painting for for however many months and you have no idea when you're going to show it if anybody's ever going to see it at least for me like it makes it a lot more difficult to stay focused on it and not just want to jump to something else that's new and exciting or or just like having a new idea through it so it it was tough to kind of you know work on on stuff during this time but i'm fortunate that i did have that like solo exhibition to work towards so it's like you know even if it takes me three years to get to this or whatever i know that this is what i'm working towards um right but yeah and then just like anything and kind of the other side of that is is how there isn't the set way of, of making work or set way of being an artist or, or what you should do, do. And like, I don't know if you've gone down the, the wormhole yet of like clubhouse <laughs> of your, I've, I've looked in the door. Okay. Let's put it that way. Door. So yeah, I, I'm a little, I'm a little hesitant because I feel like, yeah, hundred percent, you know, when, when one hits a certain age, you feel like the, you're, yeah. <laughs> You're only allowed certain platforms anymore. Well, everybody you know that's I mean? on there is like older, I feel like, from what I've seen. Oh, is yeah, it, yeah. Is it only, an older thing? Yeah, I've only been on there for like a, a week. Um, I had a friend send me. And, and I heard about it a long time ago, and, and it was it was described to me as something completely different than what it was described to me as now. And like when I first heard about it, I was like, yeah, it's definitely not. doesn't seem like something I could contribute to or have any you know impact on. And then a friend of mine who's an artist um, told me about a couple like cool, you know, um, conversations that he listened in on and, and was a part of so i was like yeah you know I'll check it out so went on it and there's been some cool stuff um i'm kind of already burnt out on it but one of the things you know i bring it up to say this that one of the things that kind of uh, not annoyed me but um steered me wrong was there's a lot of these art rooms or, or where this artist talking about how they made it or how to make it or how this and and i hate any like speaker who's telling you what you should do to get to this point 
because it's, oh, yeah. it's yeah. utter bullshit in the sense that everything is so different for everyone. So just because right. this one person was like, you know what, I started posting this and this, and then I, you know, that doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone. If someone's like, you right. know, I quit my job and I did this and, and look, and it's like, some people can't afford to quit that job. You know, it's like that, that kind of like mold of like, this is what you need to do to get here. And of course it'd be great if there was something like that and it'd be easier for a younger artists coming up just to, to have something to kind of just like look at and, and mold their, um, career path out of but it's it's complete false like there's there's no direction like sure there are things that can help you if you, if you want to go through you know the um, MFA route or, or, or certain things like that but even that it's not a, it's not a, a for sure thing you know what I mean everything there's just so many different ways that to become a quote-unquote artist and, and even that term like when you're a full-time artist what that even means because it can change you know you can be a full-time artist for a year or two and then not be doing anything so it, there's just like so many ups and downs. So it, that rubbed me the wrong way just because I feel like, you know, it's it's giving false hope to someone from the outside who's like feeling like maybe they need to change what they need to do to get to this point or, or they need to right. change their strategy. It's like it's the best thing you can do is like learn from your mistakes or, you know, just get out there and do it. Um, but yeah, I know it's a bit of a tangent from what we were saying before, but yeah, it's kind of, it, it comes back to this thing of, of the nonlinear kind of path to being an artist and right. continuing to be an artist, you know, cause there isn't this yeah. thing where it's like, Oh, you know, I, I got hired. Like, you know, it's like, you can get hired yeah, by yeah. a gallery and then it can be gone in, 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 you know, in an instant. So it's, it, well, a lot of the people that sort of want to prescribe certain ways of doing things, like don't want to sort of admit the realism that it's basically like you have to just work really hard, yeah. you could just boil down any, like this is how you make it or whatever to just like work sure. your butt off. Yeah. Then you might have a chance. Yeah. But if you're not willing to do that, there's no luck. I but you know when I first started when I got out of school and I first started thinking about showing mm-hmm. there was the same thing. It was just like, okay, here's what you do. You you get your slides. Yeah. You, you take them around to gallery. Like it, there was this one way that you're supposed to do it, you know. And then it was like, but don't go in cold. You got to know someone. Or someone's got to like give you a, I mean, I, and and then people ask that, like, you know, students will always ask like, well, how do you, or and nowadays actually they don't ask as much. I've noticed they right. just say like, I just want to do it. Yeah. Like I just want to be an artist too. Yeah works and does all this stuff they don't say like well how do you get there like how do you do it well, so there's, now it's there's just so like, many different i just want to do it there's so many different ways there's so many different worlds within the art world right and that's something that you probably don't learn in school or or until you start making art you know and then so of course there's these artists who make work on in like and, and sell make probably you know five to six figures just selling work off of instagram and and just yeah doing commissions for celebrities or something like that right like that's that's one art world and then there's art worlds of people who maybe only sell through galleries or you know there's there's so many different versions of that so it's like choosing it's almost like you have to also choose which lane you want to go in you know what i mean it's like and then find that through that and before just like and it goes the same with like getting signed as 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 a musician like it was kind of like you you make a demo tape and you take it or you mail it to this um record label record label um yeah. before like how you were mentioning the the slides and taking it to a gallery it's almost i wish it was that easy or it was it was that um small of a tunnel to how you could you know do it now it's like right, right. you can send a soundcloud link or you can do this or you can email <laughs> or you can my um myspace doesn't say you can instagram dm you know like the, the, there's so many outlets and probably these galleries are getting flooded by so many different 
artworks every day where it's like before if you could have that kind of personal you know thing where you can you know put together an interesting uh, package for your demo tape or your portfolio and I say I refer to music because I I played guitar through high school and I, I played in a couple bands um, through high school and like when I quit I mean not when, yeah. not when I finished high school um, I quit the band and came back to to art but so I, I I've seen kind of both sides of that and, and the non-linear path to both and, and it's when you see other people who are doing the same thing you were doing get success out of it, it's kind of frustrating because you're like, what the fuck did I do wrong? Or, you know, <laughs> where, 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 how, why did this person get it? And it, that's the whole thing. It's like, you know, a part of it is, is luck. A part of it is, is, is being in the right place at the right time. You know, a yeah, part of it totally. is what you're doing, but it, there's so many different aspects where it's like, you can't just say that this is what you have to do to get to this. You know, you can say this is what helped me, but it's a lot of... Well, you... Uh, yeah. yeah, you started, didn't you start in graphic design? Wasn't that your, the beginnings of school for you or? Yeah, well. Or was it just straight into work? So for me, I like, I kind of had a, an interesting um, start to art in the sense that I loved it from a really, really young age. Like um, when I was in elementary school, um, I had an art teacher who realized that I drew well and she kind of recommended me to apply to this magnet school for art. This was like fourth grade. Um, in Miami. In Miami, yeah. So we just need to say that that's the elephant in the room right now. You're not living and working in Miami. You grew up at exactly, Miami. yeah, yeah. I grew up, which in Miami. is yeah, grew up a whole different thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Born and raised in Miami. Both my parents um, immigrated here. My dad is Syrian. My mom is Cuban. Um, so first generation American. Um, grew up here. Uh, loved art. Both my parents are. Uh, my dad is a carpenter and like creative. My mom draws really well. She's very into like interior design and, and, and craft making and all that. So I grew up in, in an environment that was, you know, um, uh, accepted creativity and, and, and like was uh, also very uh, critical of it. Like, you know, if I'd make a drawing or something, my mom would be like, why is the, you know, why is the nose crooked? <laughs> you know, it's just like right, from very young right. age, it was kind of like, it was like, oh, it's good. But, you know, is he supposed to look cross-eyed? It's those, those things kind of like backhanded <laughs> compliments. Um, you got the critique early. Yeah, so it was, it was always something that, that it wasn't really looked at as obviously a career path or anything like that. Um, they didn't kind of think that that was, it was like, uh, if you want to do that, cool, but like work for Disney doing drawing. <laughs> it was kind of like that right, type of thing. Right. But anyway, so that's to say, so I, in elementary school, um, I loved drawing. This art teacher um, kind of saw that in me that I could, you know, um, kind of render things maybe a, a bit better than, than other students. So she recommended me to apply to this magnet school for art, which is just a public school that has a more focused program um, for art. So I applied and got accepted and, and and that was really great for me because we would go on field trips to museums. You know, we'd have like two hours of art every day and we started working with like plaster at a very young age. So it was just kind of like a lot of cool um, things that, that broadened my horizons from what I probably would have continued to do at that age, which was just like draw cartoons or, or whatever it was. You know, I started looking yeah. at art as kind of an expressive thing as opposed to just like something that was a technique that you can learn and draw well you know that that concept of, of what art is as opposed to just being able to to render an image um so i quickly like i'm very much like when i get into something i just kind of like it in envelopes my life in, in that aspect so from that age i was from a young age i was like this is what i want to do i was obsessive over it and just drawing all the time painting um so I went to that elementary school and middle school, and then there was a high school um, that you'd have to apply to. Again, this was a different school that was even more strict to get into, and it was um, uh, another magnet school for art. So I applied, um, 
called for a second um like audition and these auditions were like still lives you just kind of just show your portfolio stuff like that um yeah. and then i got denied so this was in eighth grade going to ninth so i mean i don't know i guess like uh, 13 maybe like 13 14 at that age um yeah. And it's, I took it like super rough. Um, it was just like, for me at that age, having this thing that I built up so big in my head of like, you know, what I wanted to do and what was going to be my path, you know, to being an artist. Um, I took it as like the art world just saying, no, like, you know, you're not good enough for this. So try something else. You know, I didn't, I didn't understand anything more than just that. And, and well, that age is tough, yeah. you know, because even to be applying to things at that mm-hmm. age is rough. Like that's, you know, living in New York and sure. Seeing how schools work here, it seems like bizarre. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, you just went to the school <laughs> and then whatever you were good at, you were, you know, you, you got into, but it wasn't like, yeah. it wasn't as competitive. You know what For I mean? Sure. And the, the idea of like trying to test into a school in middle school yeah, or then into high school is tough, you know? Definitely. And it was, I think a part of it was just because I, I built it up so much in my head. Like my art teacher would yeah. literally come to my house during the summer and like, work on my portfolio with me and kind of review my work and like had a very close relationship um with her and my family and everybody in my family knew that like I was trying to get to this school and, and you know it's just like it, it's it's in hindsight it's like oh it's, it was irrelevant like you know I, but at the time it was just like this so big big thing and I had to keep reliving when people would ask like oh so how did it go with this and how you know and then just like oh you know I got tonight so I resented art you know for for a large period of of of, of my childhood in a sense or like you know coming to being an adult uh, in my teenage years so I said you know I'm not going to draw anymore you know I just like I took it as like oh you can't do it It was like a job application I got denied so now I got to look for another job you know that's what I I compartmentalized it at at that age so I just started learning how to um I think it was like for Christmas or my birthday I asked for a guitar and um I just started teaching myself how to play guitar just through YouTube um just like learning tabs and stuff like learning what songs I liked and I got really into skateboarding and, and guitar and like that whole culture. And I was still taking art classes in high school. I would take like, um, had what was called like AP art, which was essentially, you know, like a advanced placement art. So it was like a college credit art class. And the way that that works is you would, you'd be in, in like I was taking it from ninth grade. You're supposed to take it in, in, in senior year, but because of my portfolio, like they placed me in that, I just wasn't able to um, submit for the, like the, advanced placement credit which was a college credit until my senior year so i would just be in the class like do the stuff and just like get a regular grade for it so i was still drawing i was still you know in like it was still something i was never going to not do but i was taking it more so it's just like oh this is an easy a my friends were in the classes etc um but it was nothing that i had any intentions of, of of doing um so i was doing the band stuff um finished high school um went to like a community college and was like touring um with a, a couple of bands that I was in at the time played in a different from like from hardcore punk bands to like pop punk bands played like warp tour did a couple of things like that um so it was really fun and and it, and it was like I was enjoying it but then I got really burnt out on it really quick in terms of just like sleeping on on floors and and touring 24/7 and uh I was seeing what we were paying these like graphic designers um to make merch for us and what other bands were doing and at up to that point I was like had really kind of close-minded about graphic design i was like no that's not art you know art is what you do with your hand like it's like it's very right, like right. old head um concept of what art was supposed to be and maybe some of that was because of my resentment towards it you know it was like not wanting to to give into like learning photoshop and stuff like that but 
um, I think when I was like 22, um, I quit, I quit the band and I, and I moved back home to Miami at this point. Like I was, the band was based out of Orlando. It's not far from Miami, but we were just touring all the time. So there wasn't really like a home base. It was just like living in the van. Um, right. so, so I quit that band, moved back home and like sold off a bunch of my equipment and got like an Intuos tablet and like an illegal hack of like Photoshop on my computer and just started learning how to do <laughs> again, back to like YouTube university, um, learning right. how to, how to use it and, and using kind of like my background in, in, in art to, to influence how I would approach graphic design and being able to actually like draw certain things and not have to just completely Photoshop or work from existing like, um, designs. So I used some of my contacts that I had made through being in, in, in the music, um, quote unquote business and just reached out to a bunch of people and like, Hey man, if you need any, you know, artwork or any of this. And at the time there was a company, I forget the name now, but it was basically just like a freelance, um, merch design company where like they would say, um, you know, J Cole wants three tour, um, merch designs. Um, and you would just submit your ideas and if it got picked, you would get, you know, like 150 bucks or something for it. If it didn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get anything. Um, so I yeah. did that and I, I, I got a few gigs through that and I was able to make money. And I was like, at the same time I was like working like retail jobs and stuff, but this kind of like opened the doors for me of like, okay, like maybe I can make some money off of this. And then it was funny cause like the first painting that I ever um, sold, like actual paintings I ever sold, I used to be, um, a huge Kanye West fan, like in the, like, uh, graduation college dropout era. Right, right. Um, and then when, yeah, when yeah. he did the, there was this message board, um, at the name now that like a lot of people would go on and, and there's a lot of creatives and it's funny because there's, there's this group called Brockhampton that's pretty big now and they also met yeah. on that message board and I met them on there too so there's a lot of like creatives that came out of this this um, message board but so one of the things I did was I I repainted like the five covers the George Kondo covers that he did for the My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy and I just yeah. did it as like a cool like thread to make on this board where I'd post like my process of making the paintings and everybody was like hyping it up. I was like, Oh shit, this is cool. And then this one dude was like, I want to buy them all. And I mean, it sold them for like a hundred bucks or something. It was, I didn't make a whole lot of money off of it, but right, it was like, right. I was like, well, I can actually make money too off of making paintings. Um, so they were George Kondo covers. <laughs> yeah. They were George like Kondo cover covers. songs. <laughs> yes. Uh, they're covers of the covers. Cover covers. So it was like double covers. <laughs> um, it's just funny. That's well, a good place to start. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a great painter. So yeah, yeah. It was, it was really fun to do. And they were like, they were not hard to make at the time for me, you know? And, and it was like, okay, I can make money off of this. Um, so I just did, <laughs> I didn't turn into a, a George Kondo cover artist, but I, I did that. And then that kind of illuminated like, more ideas were what I what I used to do was let's say um, a movie would come out like if it was like a new Star Wars movie or like any like kind of big box office movie that had kind of fandom around it and I'd, I'd make like a painting of the main character of it and I'd just throw it on eBay um, and because a lot of people would be searching up like memorabilia or whatever it is at the time like a lot of times they would sell so it'd be like I remember one I did like a couple of like Johnny Depp as as um, uh, Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> did a few of those. Um, so yeah, it was just like realizing that like okay, like there's I can make some money off of this. And at that point, for again, my uh, output on art was fully just like technique, right? Like oh, being able to render an image of somebody. I wasn't making yeah. like my own ideas or anything like that. Um, but in that in that high school program that I mentioned. Um, where you get that advanced, that college credit for it, 
you have to do something when you do finally submit, which I did in my senior year for the college credit, you have to do something called an area of concentration. And an area of concentration is essentially you make, I don't remember if it was like 12 works or something like that. That was based off of one body of like, you know, there was one concept or one um, idea that you were making this. It was kind of like your own little like solo show that was just going to be photographed into slides and you would send it to this board that would review it and, and, and um, give you a credit for it as a college credit if they deemed it was worthy of it. So at that time, like, um, as you know, in art class, especially like um, fundamental classes, the, one of the things that they really like shove down your head is um, observational drawing. It's just like, you know, you're supposed to be right. like, drawing what you see all the time. Um, I always had these carpets in our home. You know, my, my grandmother used to actually like, like, work, work with actually weaving um, textiles and stuff. And sometimes we'd even have them on walls and stuff. So it was something that was always like in my Moleskine, you know, in sketchbooks. So I chose that as my area of concentration it was like, you know, quote unquote, like uh, carpet designs. So I made these drawings at that, at that point I wasn't painting a lot. It was like my only kind of, um, mediums that I would use in color were like chalk pastel and, um, you know, oil pastel. So there was like charcoal works, there was graphite works, there was pastel works and, and just like different, um, some of them were just, you know, cropped versions of, of, of a carpet or other ones were just actual, you know, whether it was laying on the floor, you know, with a, a chair or something on it, like not still life, but kind of just fully just like uh, observational work. Representational. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that, that kind of like opened the, the it was like a, 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 a small kind of um, uh, spark there where I was like, oh, you know, this is, this is cool. And, and, and then I, I, I left it, you know what I mean? I was just kind of like, I feel like, especially at that age, there's a, a lot of these things that you find out later on in life that you were interested in, and maybe they were just kind of a small blurb or, or, or something that happened at that point in your life, and then later on you come back to Sneaks it. Sneaks back in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was that, and then and it was kind of two different um, paths I'm giving you here, but it comes back to that, where I started doing, you know, the, the painting stuff. And then I was also doing graphic design. And at this point I was just doing whatever I could to like make ends meet, you know, to, to make some sort of money. Um, and now when I, when I'd done that, I came uh, and I started selling those paintings. I was like, you know, maybe I should apply to art school. Um, so I applied to like, uh, Micah Parsons, uh, Cooper union. And I got into all of them. Um, but this was like, I think this was like the year or the second year, maybe that Cooper union had like, um, stopped giving forward like the oh, scholarships yeah. um or charging tuition yeah basically. and then i was like so that charging was people i got into there but it was like completely like um lost the whole <laughs> lure of the school which was this kind of like golden ticket or was lo- looked at as a golden ticket and yeah. and i remember um micah gave me like a like their their version of a full ride which was great but it was like still going to be really expensive they still had to like cover the, uh, the um, room and board and like um books or something like that so I was like, I was in this place where I was like, I got the validation of, of kind of like getting accepted into some of these schools, which was like, it kind of like washed away some of that bitter taste that I had of that, that high school um, kind of interaction with like academia and art. Um, right. But then I was at the same time, I was like, well, I'm making money doing this. And, and, and should I like give that up to go for like, I was just, I was afraid of taking that leap. And I think a part of it now looking back at it was also just afraid of like, maybe I'm not good enough. You know, even though I got like, I, they saw my portfolio and they were willing to offer me this. And, and Mike in, per, in particular was like really keen on, 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 on having me in the program and, and I had a lot of great conversations with like um, people there. And, but still a part of me was like afraid, I guess, like, 
it's like I didn't want to have that kind of interaction again or, or have someone tell me um, or like feel like I let them down. I don't know. It was, it was weird. It was just kind of like maybe it's my my own kind of, I don't know. there's a whole other conversation there for um, a therapist, <laughs> but it was just like I didn't want to like, I didn't want anybody to be like, I felt like if, if somebody offered me or gave me this like one of one scholarship, whatever, like I didn't want to let them down. And I felt like I, that was like one of the, the main reasons why I was like, okay, maybe I shouldn't do this. I just keep doing what's working for me. So I ended up just continuing. I didn't end up going to like, you know, I got my AA at that community college, but I didn't end up getting, you know, formal training in art other than, than what yeah. I was doing. So at that point I just kept doing the graphic design stuff and, and I started I got lucky that I had some friends who, who were running um, this blog at the time that and they were working with Kanye West and, and good music. And I started doing some work for them under like Virgil Abloh, um, who was Kanye West's uh, creative director at the time, just doing like merch designs for artists who were on the label, um, video backdrops. Um, and that's kind of what just allowed me to, to, to make money to get a studio um, and then start making paintings and, and starting looking at what type of paintings I wanted to make and, and, and not just like making art for art's sake. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, and, and then at that point, um, how I got to the work that I'm making now was, uh, I had, you know, I had this idea um, of making these paintings because I was looking through kind of like that. I found that old portfolio of what I had put together for that, um, that, that high school class. And I was like, you know, this is interesting. I wonder if I can make paintings out of it. Because at this point, I had more practice in actual acrylic and oil painting. So the first one I made was just like a one-to-one copy of an existing carpet that we had. Um, It was like a family heirloom. Um, And I painted it, and I had it on, like, the floor of my studio. And I had my parents come over, and they were just like, oh, wow, you got another... You know, they thought it was a carpet until they got close to it. Because I actually (laughs) stretched it and had it on the the floor, like, in a a float frame. Um, And they were kind of just like confused on what it was but they were just like oh it's so beautiful and then they saw it was a painting and like they had a really cool reaction to that and I was like okay cool like you know I'm on to something here so I started doing that and I, I mean I sent those out to like I did like three of them and I sent it out to like over I don't know how many hundreds of galleries just trying to see if anybody would um excuse me give me an opportunity to show this work um and many galleries nobody replied you know a few of them were like don't accept unsolicited um submissions which is that it's that weird thing in the art world where it's like everybody wants to know what you've done before you do anything so it's like oh send us a cv or send us this and it's like well i don't have a you know it's like what yeah nobody wants to take it to be the first to bite at something so it's like they want to see your what you've done but how, how do you get that first opportunity um so then i was lucky that this finally you know after i don't know how for many months of doing this this one gallery here in miami actually gave me an opportunity um to show the work and showed it at i don't know if it was art miami or something like during that year uh during basel that year and and the works that painting sold and i was like oh wow like you know that was my first time selling like like at a, at a few thousand dollars right. yeah um yeah something that i was like proud of and then i was like you know happy to put my name on and and yeah. wasn't just like a regurgitation of things I like or like had seen, you know, or, or whatnot. Yeah. So, so that kind of opened the door and, and I started, I started learning more about, you know, this type of artwork and, 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 and my roots and connecting to my dad through it. And, and growing up, um, I didn't, I didn't fully understand, like my parents like tried to assimilate as much as they could to like Western culture. So it was like, they 
splendid as much as I want. So I didn't even really understand fully like what this was or, or what it meant to be Syrian or be this and be that. Um, and through this work and, and, and kind of like, you know, connecting with, uh, the lineage of my family and stuff like that. And it's allowed me to connect to my father and I was able to, I mean, I'm jump, jumping across here, but I went to Syria, you know, and I, I got to like, uh, actually study with people who make carpets in Iran. Um, I do, I, when I started making it, like I said, it was the first ones were very much just derivative of existing ones. And then as I started learning the background on it and, and how there was the imagery meant something and there was kind of this whole hidden meaning behind it, that's what intrigued yeah. me into like actually, okay, um, there's something in this that I can put in conceptually, right? Um, so that I started understanding the way that, that these things were made and and, how, and why something why someone can look at you know this carpet and, and say oh this is an Isfahan carpet and this is a silk Isfahan carpet that was made et cetera et cetera in this time probably for this you know d- during this dynasty et cetera um, that was super intriguing to me so in order for me to kind of learn how to bend those rules and, and and adapt it to my own practice I had to kind of go back to like understanding how the actual you know designs were made so that's what was important to me to like. Uh, go firsthand and like visit and, and, and learn from the source to then both pay homage, but make it unique or, or, or make it my own, you know, instead of just being derivative of something that's been done for centuries at this point. Um, right. so through that, I started just learning more, um, and just like getting fully like involved in this, in this world, um, of uh you know ornamentation and, and what me- what it meant to be an artist that was working in ornamentation and, and how you can put meaning in ornamentation and and all these kind of different things and, and the material that i use um the meaning behind the material and, and, and if you have any questions in terms of the actual practice like i don't want to kind of um <laughs> go all TikTok. over the place but um <laughs> But because there's there's like a lot of different conversations within that. Um, so however you yeah. think to, to guide it more, if you want me to just freestyle free it, I, I can or however. Oh, no, I think it's interesting yeah. because in the in the West, uh, this the idea of decoration has a kind of yeah implied sort of surface. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where it's 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 more surface. It's just about look. Yeah. Whereas ornament and ornamentation in in different cultures really relates to. Yeah not only the sort of imagery and the cultural imagery, but also, you know, the iconography and the sort of way of life. Yeah. And that, that, that meaning kind of has a resonance. And, and, you know, when looking at your work and thinking about those roots, it, it, that makes sense. And, you know, reading about you traveling to Iran and, and looking at those yeah. carpets, uh, that just makes sense. But I was really interested too in thinking of the, you know, the hybridity between like Cuban culture mm-hmm. and Syrian culture yeah. or like Middle Eastern culture. And, but in, in Cuba in many places, you know, in there's, there's a big ornamentation, like there is color yeah. vibrance ornamentation. that's tied to daily life and, and culture and also like temperature and, you know, yeah, like it's, the, it's interesting. The feel of the place. For too, sure. You know? Cause, cause for instance, um, Cuba was, a uh, you know, like many other places like you know colonized by spain and stuff so a lot of a lot of people that, that are were cuban um unless they were like um super native uh or were also immigrated so there was this mixture of cultures so there is actually like a large like arab, po- arab population in cuba and there's like moorish architecture in cuba as well yeah. um that, that came from there so there's a lot of like this different um that i've learned through kind of just like diving into this world and the way that, that certain things um, 
uh, kind of influence uh, culture, whether it be through the food that people are eating or, or the way that it, sometimes it, it gets taken and, and changed and, and adapt to the, the you know, newer um, generations. But for me, the, the influence on that was a lot of also just like the, because of the embargo and things that happened on, on a political level in Cuba, the, it's kind of frozen in time. Um, so the walls of, of, of certain, you know, uh, buildings and whatnot are, are as they were in, you know, in 1950 before um, the revolution and the cars, all that is kind of like, it's, it's nothing has come to that island, unfortunately, since this happened. So right. there is this kind of like frozen or, or preserved um, cultural and artifactual heritage, which from an outside looking in, it's like, wow, it's so cool. It's like, I think that's what probably draws a lot of people to, to go to it or to visit it. Um, but as people who are living there, it's kind of a shitty situation, you know what I mean? Where right. it's like, you're kind of stuck in, in this um, loop of, of, of life. But, and Syria is going through their own version of that now with their, you know, 10 year long uh, civil war. Um, so it's interesting to see kind of like these two places of, of, of conflict and, and, and how, how the art there changes and, and just how the, and it goes also goes back to what I, we were talking about before about how people just adapt to certain um, to to what their life is right. Like while we've adapted to things in, in, in during COVID right now, it's like some of the stories that I would hear from people when I was in Syria and and, and what they witnessed, whether it be through ISIS or or just through the actual um, civil war, like they refer to it as a, as a crisis. Um, and just how they adapt to it and kind of just like, you know, they, that it is what it is. This is what I went through. And, but they don't seem any less happy than we are here. You know what I mean? It's, right, and you right. hear these stories, it's just like human nature, like the ability to, on a more ground level, the ability to just understand what your, your situation is and make it through that is like extremely inspiring to me. Um, and then on, on the art level, one of the things that, that I try to, to highlight in my work is the fact that this this art form and, and like what they refer to and, and again it goes back to like the um, decorative ornamentation or, or like handicrafts um is becoming less and less seen because the, through sanctions and through um just the economical decline there isn't a market for this stuff and and even if you were if you wanted to buy uh, a persian carpet from iran right now it's extremely difficult because you know, PayPal will block you. Like you, if you type in Iran in any sort of like money sharing oh, yeah. Venmo, it, it gets, you your account gets down. shut down. Yeah. There's like yeah. these huge blockades that there, and it's like, who are we, or who is the, you know, the government trying to uh, affect here? Like, you know, who's really right. taking the, br the, 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 the brunt of this. And then because of that, these, these art forms are just not being passed down. So it's like, you know, the, the work that my grandmother was making and whatnot, it, if she was still in, in Syria or anywhere like this, it wouldn't be passed down to me because I probably wouldn't have been interested in it because there was no money to make in it. There was no any, there's nothing to, to, uh, it wasn't something that was like fruitful or, or is anymore. So then what happens, you know, 10, 20 years from now when that generation that was making it is no longer around, it's just going to be completely obsolete. You know, it's only going to be seen in certain museums and stuff like that. So for me, it's, it's, it's as much, um, to the idea of the work is as much to kind of, um, shine light on that as, as it is to make it exciting for, you know, Western culture and, and, and newer generations and kind of shining light on, on, on this form of, of making work. And, and again, like 
idea of ornamentation is it, it has like a, a negative side uh, connotation to it um, because in the way that in, in Western culture, the way we, we look at what's deemed good art, you know, it has to have uh, a strong meaning, it has a, a strong conceptual basis. And the extremely conceptual work, you only understand it really if you read that five page press release, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, so why do we give that kind of time and into understanding that, but we don't give it to things that we deem, oh, that's just uh, a floral design, you know what I mean? It, you don't know that that floral design was actually made during this, um, you know, uh, family lineage and it actually, the, the, the five leaves on this represent the, lo- you know what I mean? There, there's so many, there's yeah. so much meaning in that, but we just, we, since we don't understand it, we don't, we kind of just write it off as like over the top or you know, overworked or, 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 or whatnot. So for me, that's something that I've been trying to, um, you know, embed that kind of conceptual meaning into to work that is on the surface, maybe just perceived as decorative or ornamentative. Um, and on, a, you know, completely stripping the, the conceptual side of it, when you spend however many hours, you know, hundreds of thousands of hours on a, on a painting, like there's a part of you that's that's embedded in that. You know what I mean? Whether you're, you're consciously drawing this specific flower because it means something to you or whether you're just putting your own emotions into that that work that you're making when you spend that much time with the piece like it has so much meaning to you as a person where maybe an abstract work that was done in five minutes and and maybe had like a a strong conceptual meaning didn't have that same impact on with on the art you know what i mean like there wasn't that same exchange of of you know quote-unquote blood sweat and tears in it so that's something that that has interested me um you know, over the, the last year or so, um, as just as I've kind of dived further into this type of work and and understanding um, its meaning and, and how I want it to be, you know, perceived in a sense. But but yeah, it's it's yeah. I think I think that ornamentation or you know that question of like the the conceptual side of it being negated or whatever, or the judgment of things that are deemed as decorative. I think it within the the context of the art world to a great extent it's just it's the context you know what i mean because yeah. if you look at certain modes of work like if you look at op art i mean that is decorative yeah, painting it, it's just about the look of it and it's just the context of the way that things are shown and you know to to the credit of recent sort of investigations into the past you know outside of the canon of western art i mean if if anything, like the quilts of G's Bend or, you know, or, you know, African sort of, um, or, or, you know, uh, Aust- Aboriginal paintings yeah. and things like that, like, you know, work that is very specific to a culture and context is being seen in a different light, you know what I mean? And because of pluralism, because of, you know, sure. there's not just the art world isn't just, you know, 15 guys in the East Village making, exactly. you know, abstract expressionist paintings. So I think, yeah. you know that has kind of opened up, you know, and a lot of conceptual tropes in, in work are looked at as, you know, for what they are. Like sometimes it's just, you know, beating the drum of something that's been said before. So I think it's all relative. Do you feel though, like, I wonder if you have going back to that high school application (laughs) and then thinking about college and then, you know, well, I got to honor these scholarships and then thinking about things that have cultural resonance in, in use of your work that you feel connected to, but you 
do you think you have like a little bit of a shell or kind of like this I'm outside of the art world in a way and like you you're you're self-conscious of that or that it's weighing on your yeah I mean, you know on your mind as far as like how it's accepted or how it's read I, I think that I'm just like an over analytical person <laughs> in, in general about everything <laughs> so I think of everything over you know more than maybe I should um there was definitely also just conversations that I had or, or, you know, email exchanges that I had when I was trying to get the work into to galleries. And, and a lot of people were like, um, well, you know, you should probably, uh, you should go back to school and, and you know, get your, your, your MFA and, and do this and that. And then like, you know, you, th- there was kind of like that, um, that pushback that, that made me feel like right, oh, right. I, I needed to do this in order to get in. And I was like, well, if the work is there, like if, if you like the work, then what, why does it need that kind of certificate? Right. To, to mean that. And, um, and it's still something to this day that I think about, you know, I'm like, oh, maybe I should, you know, try to go back and do this. Uh, but I, it, the more I'm able to accomplish and the, and the more I'm able to kind of um, justify and, 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 and be happy in the way that I make work and, and, and where the work is placed and, and things like that, the more I kind of feel confident in that. And I kind of, you know, break out of that kind of shell that you're mentioning, but it is something that I, I look back to. And, and, and just as, 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 as you come to, you know, terms with what it means to be an artist and, and what type of art world I want to be in within the art world, right? That's when I, I learn more on like what things I want to focus on or what aspects of my work I want to highlight and, and, and what conversations I want to have, right? Um, so I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a, a tug and pull of the different aspects. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that answers your question fully, but yeah, definitely there's that, there is that, that shell and it's still something that I deal with and, and maybe it's just in a, in a different way than than it was when, when I first had that interaction. But in a part, a part of me, I'm glad that I have that, you know, I feel like that's what's, what's pushed me to keep, like, I could have com- continued to just make canvas works of existing carpets and there probably would have been a market for that. Right. Um, but I knew that conceptually I wasn't pleased with it. I'm glad that, uh, that I, that I have that because it, it constantly, it pushes me to kind of, um, analyze my work and analyze the way that I make work and, and, and be critical of myself. And, and that's, what's caused me to kind of like break out of those comfort zones. And it's why I work on, on things like, like concrete and, and, and sculptural work and, and other things that are kind of outside of my realm of, of comfort. And, and it's a little right. bit more difficult, but I feel like there's more of a voice in that. And, and I try to kind of thread that, that line of, of making work that is, um, aesthetically pleasing, you know, that it draws people in like, wow, it's the, the first thing that people who don't really know much about art, the way that they kind of gauge whether it's good or not is like, if they can do it or not, you know, right? It's like, oh, I can yeah. do that. And then it's like, it's not good art then, right? So um, making work that is, is aesthetically pleasing and that you can see it's like, wow, this took a lot of time to do it. And then also um, for those who care enough to like read that um, press release or, or essay or whatnot, it gives them a full new understanding of what the work means and, and what I'm trying to do with this stuff for, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, yeah. And I think to be honest, I think that's a lot of, a lot of people, you know, that same thing happens with me. It's like the, the imagery that I, I make people could say, well, like, Oh, that's just a building in a tree. What's, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or it, you, if you look at the whole, you know, the whole view, the broader view of all the work together, you could say, Oh, well maybe it's talking about, this aspect of our environment reflecting on people and, or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. But it, it, I think sometimes, I don't know. I found sometimes it, it, if people don't start off 
on the the track of like fine art let's say they go to like an art school and then they go get their mfa and and they they don't go that route but they go on to show work and they're doing well there's a a small part of them is like oh but like am i a sham or like i need to go to school like are people going to take me serious and but the irony is there's probably so many especially younger people like not like you know of like dealers who are you know 60 and older although they're probably fine too but most people who would read your bio and say oh well he started off you know painting like Nicki Minaj backdrop or like or working for Kanye or making stuff for Kanye West and then you know started in graphic design played music and then started painting and would find that even way more interesting than someone who was like, I went to the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, and then yeah, I went yeah. to RISD for grad yeah, school. Yeah. You know you know what I mean? And and the work is, especially if the work, like it seems like your work is, what well, it is, it's very tied to your experience, and you're something that you grew up with, and it talks about who you are in this, in our society, and as a person, and, you know, living in Miami. I mean, that's, like, intriguing, and 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 it resonates with who you are as a person. How can you critique? I mean, that what's more authentic than that? Yeah, I'm, in my I'm book, have you write my bio. I mean, after that, right there, it just, it just gave me a, a boost that I needed to bring down. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I appreciate you saying that. And, and yeah, you know, and that comes with, with me maturing as both as a human being, as an artist and being more comfortable in, in my skin, you know, in a sense of, of, yeah, definitely, of what definitely. Um, I want to do. And it's like, okay, you know what? I don't need to like check all these boxes if I'm checking this other one or something. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe there's a student who, and I have friends who went through that process, like went through that, that route and they were great artists, but they're not making art anymore. You know what I mean? They're, right. they're just not doing it because they, they started whether they're working in, in advertisement or, or something completely not related at all in any spectrum to art. And they went to these schools and, and did all that and, and spent all that money and time. So, the, and that's not everybody. Obviously, there's extremely successful artists who got that the huge gallery right out of their MFA show. You know what I mean? There's those stories too. So it, everything is and it, and it comes full circle to what we were talking about originally. This is a different paths, right? So I feel like it is important for me. I had that kind of like MFA course in real life, just like me making art and getting critique from the people I was sending it to and also just having my own conversation with myself about like what I wanted to say with this art which I feel like that's probably I mean I'm not going to speak for every you know college course but that is like an important and, and maybe a thing that that I would have looked to for in um, uh, academia in art um, I was fortunate like I had it in, in real life terms of just kind of like me understanding what I needed to do and what I wanted to do with this and as I had that kind of illumination of what type of work I wanted to make and, and why I was making the work and why I was so drawn to making this type of work. And I think there is, um, just on an on a object level, like there is almost this kind of fetishization that happens with the carpet and, and being like um, someone uh, who is from a diaspora. And it's funny because you had, you had Jordan on um, who yeah. had been, you know, refer to as friends but we've never met in person but we've had conversations before and kind of showing some of the same gallery space and stuff like that and he, he made a great point um when i was listening to it i was like oh something i had thought about as well is that you know his work the work he's making is is, is so um palestinian and it's, and it's so um direct where maybe some of the artists our age coming out of Palestine aren't making work like that right because it's so on the nose but when you're removed right. from it like this is almost kind of what you tie to of, of like this is my um 
experience with you know what i mean like this is what i would when i would look at this this is what would, would bring that connection of of this kind of utopian home or whatnot right so uh, when you grow up in there you have different experiences that are make give you different uh, ideas of what it means to be syrian or what it means to be this or cuban or this and that but when you kind of like have these small items that become so they carry such weight for you because this thing was brought from this country and it means this like that's why it kind of blows up in our head as an artist um, who's not making work? Who's making work inspired by by a land that they don't live in? You know what I'm saying? So um, I thought that was interesting, and, and it's and it's something that I've thought about um, a lot in terms of like what is the, like why I, I was attracted to, to to this work. You know what I'm saying? Like a, yeah, yeah. Like I know and why the I'm reason now what I want to do with it, but how, what brought me to it from that high school age? Right. The reason that's so important too is because so many. Like you, like you're saying that the idea that someone who grows up, like if you, you know, grow up in a specific location, you're in that culture, and you you might not make the work about that because it's just what it, yeah. you just make the work that you're making because it's like intuitive. Sure. But the reason that it's so important to have work that you're talking about, like what you're doing, so many people are in our current society and moving around and mixing and growing up in different places, and there's a sort of like um, complication in often beautiful ways of, of culture and, and identity and ethnicity in the sense is like, well, how do I navigate? You know, there's people who come from other places that say come to America and grow up here. And how do I, you know, navigate my like Korean heritage with growing up in the U S and then there's people who come from, you know, two different cultures, you know, or four different cultures, whatever it is, you know, different parents from different places. Like, yeah. well, how much of me is that? And how much of me is, how much is me of me is Miami? And you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's all you, I, everyone realizes you are just what you, you're a mix of all that stuff. Yeah, and that representation visually is important for people to see and understand because yeah. then you, you complicate the narrative of the story of who people are equal to the narrative of who people are instead of something that's boiled down into, oh, well, you're just this person from that place and you make work like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and in growing up in somewhere like Miami and, and you can relate to it being in New York, it's like there's so many people from so many places where it's it would be almost um, more uncommon to to be from you know Miami or or have like be you know a few generations here because everybody is either from you know South America or there's so many different um from the Caribbean there's so many different cultures here and it's it was something that um was embraced and 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 just kind of like the the downside of, of there being so much of that is that it's like you don't even think about it too much right it's just like oh I'm this and this you know I have a friend that's you know um uh, Chilean Armenian or this yeah it's very common to just be like mixes um fully of this and just kind of like yeah, it just is what it is you know you don't think too much about it where if I was the only person that was this in, in a different culture then maybe I'd be more like what would I have been more interested in it at a younger age because it would have been like a more of a rarity for me at at the time I just like I didn't think much of it you know it wasn't until later on like I said that that I started kind of realizing like oh why am I so interested in this and, and why did you know my dad make this type of, of stuff when he was younger you know like kind of opening those conversations and, and it's cool to see how it's how it's gotten me closer to him and it's gotten him closer to to his roots you know too because it's very easy to just become you know westernized you know it's like that's what that's what you kind of aim to do so that you can uh 
feel comfortable in a culture. So it's, it's, it's interesting how that kind of comes full circle and then it, it kind of gets brought out in, in different ways. And, and it's, it's exciting for me cause I'm still learning about it. You know, I'm still, um, growing in it and I'm, I'm still finding new ways of, of how to make my work and, 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 and what story I want to tell through my work. And, and it, it was great to, to find something that I'm so interested in and that I also feel that there's so much room for me to grow in. Cause I think as, a, as any artist, you know, you don't want to be a one trick pony. You don't want to just kind of like have that one hit series that does well. It's like, okay, you know, I was able to do that and, and it's cool, but like now what other stuff can I tell through that? Whether it's through more explorative work, through illustrative work, um, through conceptual work, through sculptural, there's, there's so many different things that, that, um, I can utilize to kind of, um, find my voice as an artist and, and it's, it's exciting to kind of uh, explore that further. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Do you um, do you still are you still playing music? Yeah, so I, I still play guitar like for fun. I have a friend who's got a studio, so we'll kind of just like he produces um, sometimes uh, stuff for like uh, rappers or R and B anything. And if he's like, yeah, I need it, you know, like, kind of like a soulful guitar part for this, I'll just kind of go and and write something for it. Um, and I've been thinking of ways like I want to do. I want to do tie in those two things with music. I mean, music and art, you know, whether it's kind of writing a score or, you know, quote unquote score for something for a piece or, or for an exhibition. So I have some ideas of, of stuff that I want to do. Um, I definitely, I'm not, don't play as much as I used to. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's still got a Telecaster and I'll jam on it every now and then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I, you know, and seeing like images of installations, of your work, cause especially some of the more immersive ones where you have like sure. wall stuff and like ceiling. Yeah, yeah. I could imagine an audio component to that that would Definitely. hypothetically jive with it, you know, and not be at odds yeah. with that kind of experience, you know? Yeah. It's just like, that's what I try to kind of always push the, like push the envelope in, in, in my practice of work and just like, sure. There's, there's, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a line to cross. It's, it's like a, a line to, to, to deal with in terms of just not, not overdoing it, but not also just like not, not, not doing it. You know, I, yeah. I try to make sure that everything is, is there for a reason and, and it has purpose. So, so I, I've had that idea of kind of like, Oh, I, you know, I, I do want to bring it, but I, I want to do it in, in a context that makes sense. And it's not just like, Oh, and I know how to play guitar. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's right, like, right. Hey, <laughs> look, check this out. I'm also this, you know, it's like, it's finding that way to, 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 to make sense. Um, so definitely they have this kind of idea for when, you know, whenever that, opportunity comes up for me to bring into fruition but of, of, of even more you know experiential um space and and and, and having kind of like uh, some sort of, of musical score kind of written for it you know that that's something that i that i definitely want to um explore further but, but yeah yeah it's an itch you know like i miss you know playing gigs but yeah you what know what was the last time that you that you played like a actual gig? oh well i mean like in a band situation for a long time. Yeah. But I, mean, I was doing my but friend Rudy Shepard. My my friend Rudy Shepard is an artist. He does performances and we did okay. we did a thing at like the um outside of Jackie Robinson Park where we performed and we play in some of his performances, but that's more out like experimental stuff. Sure, sure. Um but like for band stuff it's been since, you know, band I was in we stopped touring and performing probably in like 2000 between 2001 and 2002 I think oh, so okay. it's been a while yeah it's been a while sure but I mean here yeah. and there jamming with people you know yeah 
I mean, you, you jam with people and you're like, yeah, I miss this, right? And it's like, uh, the last yeah. show I played was like, um, like one of the bands I was in like high school, um, was this hardcore band here in Miami and we did like a reunion show. It's like, a, this band was just like very local, you know, but we had like a pretty good following locally. We did like a reunion show and it was so fun. And then like a huge fight broke out at the end and like the, the venue ended up like closing <laughs> down. So it was like a, a whole other mess. But, um, just it's every now and then, like we'll see, you know, see other members from the band. We're like, dude, we gotta do it again. And just like everybody kind of just says it, but I don't know if it'll ever actually happen. It's probably too old for that. But yeah, it's just like it's it's kind of cool to just dream about it. Like yeah, maybe one day, you know. Yeah, but, bring it back together, right? Yeah. My um. So what hardcore are we talking about? Like what? Um, I don't know. I think generation generationally, sure. you're probably like a different wave of hardcore than maybe I grew up with. But. Well, I, 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 I played in a few different bands. So like the, the first band I played in was like post hardcore. So we're talking like, um, like the, I don't know if you've heard a band called the bled. Don't first know. First to last, like this type of, you remember, I don't know. Like this was like a 2000, like very emo core kind of, um, like screamo uh, stuff. Is yeah. There? Like kind of that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know if I'm trying to think of maybe what was like a big band from that era. Um, that you might like a larger band. Like, whenever I think of shit like this, I always blank out, and it's like, and then after I just think of like a million bands, right? Right. But it, right. So it was like kind of singing, screaming, and then I did that, and then like I got more into like hardcore punk. Um, so like the band that I was talking about right now, about that we had the reunion show, that was more like hardcore punk, like in the vein of like bands like Bane. Um, okay. Um, yeah, more like fast, kind of uh, aggressive. Um, punk but like had like breakdowns and stuff like that yeah um and yeah uh it was fun i mean but the, there's, there's, there's no money in that at all it was just, like, <laughs> just playing for other guys right we we're playing right. a lot of times we, you would go on tour and like have a, a show in this place and like you get there and you're just playing for the other bands oh <laughs> yeah it's like the other gigs. bands are there and you're just like, <laughs> and it's just like oh i guess it's like a live band practice um yeah just warming yeah. up you know yeah, just yeah, yeah, yeah fine-tuning the set on the road for you know your other people exactly. you're with yeah exactly. that happens. and then i think the last band i played in was like this like um pop punk ish like boys like girls type of um uh more commercial band that's the one that they, they got signed to fearless and was kind of a bit uh, got like a little bit more and i use the term very loosely commercial success right. in the sense that we were like um playing shows that were filled with people in them but it was just like I didn't love the music it was just like it was very much like um it wasn't something that I was like super into so like it made it harder um to kind of stay involved in the band when like my heart wasn't in it so yeah, yeah. I was like just like yeah, that's that was, tough that was the end for me but yeah but but let's be honest there's some days when you'll come to the studio and you'll put on some 41 and you'll get to work. Oh, dude, I, if, you were look, <laughs> if you were to look through like my um, Apple Music, like it's so all over the place. Like I'm listening to like I still listen to Blink One Eight Two. That's still like one of my uh, yeah, yeah I mean, bands. I still listen to that. Um, and then it'll just be like these random obscure indie bands, and then it'll be like um, it's just all over the place. Yeah, I listen to every. I genuinely I love music. You know, I don't listen to music while while making work just because. Um, I listen to podcasts or audiobooks just because I lean long format. I don't want to be like switching songs or albums right. while I'm doing it, but I still like music is like a huge part of like every day. So my drive to the studio and, and back and that's like my my time to consume like a thirty minute kind of back and forth. It's my time to like consume music 
and uh still yeah huge part so when you get hyped up getting ready to go to the studio yeah and that's when i'm like yeah, that's when i'm like yeah maybe i should i should get back into this and i just like yeah i can do this but yeah well, no, music's rough right now i mean no one's <laughs> yeah. playing you know it's it's a For it's sure. a, i mean if you think if you think art's a tough business now i mean music is really struggling know, i'm so like when this when this stuff was happening i was, I was so f- glad and like so fortunate that I was able to like have a I was at a stage in my career where I could like have the studio to come to because like I don't see anybody really I just like come from from home to the studio and back like seven days a week you know yeah. what I mean I'm I'm just here and it, to have that escape and, and to be able to like okay you know I can still make work and still show it and and whether it's you know online or whatnot it's like I don't know what I would do if, if I didn't have that you know so I feel for people in other industries where it's like so much reliant on human interaction and people coming in and gigs economy and that whole stuff was just like it's a whole other uh the whole other uh world and the whole other experience that they're having through this time you know yeah and you know it's like rare when your gig is like hermetic and you're just doing your thing all the time and yeah and you say like, oh, well, that kind of works in this scenario. Like, it's not that bad. Like, I'm just yeah. going into studio anyways and doing my yeah. thing. Me yeah. in my cave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like people are like, well, so how has it been making art? It's like, I'm pretty much doing the same thing. I don't see yeah. people often when I'm home. Anyway. Usually what I would do is like when I'd be at when I'd home in Miami, I'm just like working for like a few months straight. Um, and then I'll try to get out and, and see some and travel and see some friends. And like, you know, I love traveling both for inspiration and, and just like I've made a lot of great friends like around the world and that I um, connect with on a different level than some people that I've known for a lot longer, you know, just because we have a, a different way that we appreciate things. So for me, it was just like I've just been on that that home mode for way too long now. You know, it's yeah, just yeah. like but it's day to day wise. Other than that, I mean, it's pretty much this is what I would be doing no matter what was going on outside you know I'd still be here seven days a week so right it's it's not there's not much change in that and you know that and, aspect but. and you can go to the beach right you're close to the beach I, I can I, I never do though <laughs> it's just like it's oh. like having the pool in the backyard like I don't know if you've ever had that never but going like, out yeah yeah, yeah but just the like beach if, is when like, you have it it's like yeah and some and you know the few times that I do do it I'm like damn I should do this more often like this is so nice but I I I don't. I don't. I don't know why. I mean, and nowadays it's like I don't because the, that's where all the tourists are. Like, you could, if you oh, go yeah. down like South Beach right now, it's like it's literally like nine, 2019. You know what I mean? It's just like everybody's just out, like no masks. Like, yeah. Um, so I don't do it now. But there, there are like kind of like these like local beaches or stuff that you know only locals know about that are a lot more hidden and, and private, and and you can just kind of just go and have like a nice day there. So definitely um something i probably should do more and i think that especially in times like this like the, the last time i went was was like in march of last year like when shit was really hitting the fan and it felt really good to like just sit on a beach and look out yeah and just see how Breathe. large yeah and just be like everything's gonna be okay you know like this there's so much there's, the world is so much bigger than us and, and and what we're going through and it was like it was grounding to kind of do that and maybe i I'm overdue for one of those again now. Um, but it was, it was just sweeps you up and yeah, like <laughs> yeah. the next week it was like a hurricane warning and that, that whole beach was, was swept away. But no, <coughs> but, but yeah, no, it's, it's I, kind of I didn't, I didn't go to Miami often for, yeah. you know, cause I, 
I've done art where I've been in Art Basel, Miami, sure. a bunch. And but when I do go down, we stay really, really south on South Beach, where it's kind of a little less populated, you know. Yeah. And I would wake up like first thing, and before the sun even starts to go up, when it's just getting light, and go to the beach yeah. and just sit there, so and that nice. is so nice, you know. Compare, I can do without the whole hoopla of like, of course, you know, all that craziness of like, you know, South Beach. But that was such a great like experience, you know, waking up yeah, early so. before anyone's really out there and breathing. There's something about the the beach air that's just like, yeah, it feels like, rejuvenating or something. There's, yeah, there, there's something there's something about like looking into a horizon also and just like not seeing an end in sight. You know, like that kind of just vast openness of just like, you know, looking into like, you know, the edge of the flat earth. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> looking into the, you know, um, the, the just like the openness of it and, and in times like this where we feel like so closed in and, and, and I mean, living in New York, it's like, it's one of the things I deal with when I'm in New York. I'm like, cause I love New York. But I'm like, sometimes when I think about like living there, I'm like, Oh, you can't even see like, you know, you can't, there's a lot of places where you can't even see the sky for blocks, you know, yeah. it's just, yeah, that's um, true. so to, to be able to like to go to, to somewhere like that and, and, and see that it's, it's important. I think a lot of people have now during this have been going like, I've been seeing a lot of like Colorado and like middle, like Midwest trips, like in, in, in Utah and things like that. And I think it's probably a similar experience of just kind of like looking into like a mountain range or something like that. Um, yeah, it's just like, it's important, I think, for us mentally to just kind of like step away from CNN and all stuff for a bit. Right. Be like, hey, no, refresh. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot more going on and we'll get through this, but. For sure. So um, do you have anything that you want to share with people on like stuff coming up or what you're working on or where they could see your work or your next um, live show? Get some some (laughs) plugs off. Yeah. um, I just really want to plug. No. um, (laughs) So yeah. So this, the, my solo show just closed, I think a week ago, maybe closed, but it's like the, the term (laughs) closed from never really opening. It's not, it's no longer hung. Um, and I'm so I have a um, a solo show coming up at uh, Carlo Bellotti Museum in in Rome. That's supposed nice. to happen at the end of this year. The dates are still kind of like <laughs> to be determined because right. it was supposed to happen fluid. in the beginning. Yeah, and then it's like all the they haven't been able to open yet, so all the shows that were supposed to be happening in the last year like need to happen before. But um, so hopefully that'll happen at some point uh, towards the end of this year, maybe in the fall. Um, and then I have two other kind of exciting institutional um, projects coming up, which I can't say yet, um, but hopefully soon I'll be able to, to kind of announce it. And if it does fully come into fruition, I think everything has been just touch and go with calendar wise right now. So it's hard to right. kind of like yeah, yeah, for um, sure. plan for anything. But um, just anybody that wants to check out my work and check it out at, in, on on Instagram, um, I pretty much just post about my work so on there so um anything new coming up or any new pieces sometimes i'm like i want to hold a piece for a show and like not show up and then i'm like i just want to share you know so sometimes i'll just post a photo of it or or progress work of it um but yeah so as of right now like uh probably the next show will be at the end of the year but again this is kind of all over the places but there's a there's a few um big things that i'm really excited about um hopefully uh depending on how like the next three months play out with this, the vaccinations and hopefully these new strains not being as um, spreading as much as they uh, anticipated. And hopefully there'll be some sort of normalcy in the world and things will get back to it. But anytime that I've planned anything 
for the last year. I've yeah, don't do it. Immediately regret. Like, yeah, it's just been such a joke. So you, you got to plan like, to yeah. not plan. That's our exactly. New plan. I'm like literally, you can be a, a week away from what I was planning on doing, and it doesn't come. So I'm just like, yeah, we got to roll um, with it. You know, exactly. You're not going to share that uh, that burner uh, emo fan page account that you have on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, X Hard Eyes X at um, uh, <laughs> my old Straight Edge um, Taking Back Sunday cover band. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> um, yeah, it takes me back to like um, sidekick screen names and stuff like that. Oh, I will yeah. say what the one I'll leave on this note for anybody that listens to this who who um, was into music in this era. My first uh, screen name was Thufio. And it was because Thrice and Rufio were two of my favorite bands. So I, how oh, the portmanteau <laughs> of your favorite bands. <laughs> yeah, so I thought I was so cool with that. So yeah, anybody who wants to hit me up on on AIM. <laughs> You've got yeah. mail. Sounds good, yeah, man. Thanks so much for the conversation. I appreciate it. You know, yeah, I think thanks. Times like this, it's like to be able to speak on the work and in your process. It's so uh, re- refreshing and therapeutic. <laughs> kind of just like making work to make work and not having those conversations. I think it's a. Uh, these are always kind of. Um, well needed for us as artists it's saving my sanity that's for sure for 100 <laughs> i'm sure i'm jealous that you have that that uh, out, outlet yeah, yeah thank man, you thanks so much stay safe out there and thanks sound and vision is recorded edited and produced by myself brian alfred you can find out more about the podcast by going to soundandvisionpodcast.com and see images on Instagram at Sound and Vision Podcast. Uh, many thanks to Jason for sitting down to talk with me. Many thanks for Lolotone for the intro, outro music, and Michael Lovett for the introduction. Thanks to all you listeners for listening. If you can, go to iTunes, leave a rating and review, or share the podcast with a friend. Most of all, thank you for listening. Thank you.